Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. Download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hey guys, this is Mike Badano, and you're listening to Sarcastic Remarks. Welcome to Starcastic Remarks. My name is Ryan Chambers, and alongside my brother Chris, we are the official Dallas Stars podcast of the Hockey Podcast Network. We are brought to you by our two sponsors that you can see in the corners of our YouTube video if you're watching on YouTube. Chris is Vanna Whiting, uh, DraftKings, and I can Vanna White. Can I get it? There we go. Raycon. Raycon, our newest uh, sponsor. We thank them for sponsoring us and our network with everything they do. They allow us to do cool stuff like this. And Chris, it is officially time to really get excited for the season to start. Training camp oh. starts tomorrow, dude. Yes. And I thought you were going to say it is the 21st night of September, which is also great. But <laughs> yes, training camp will be exciting. Uh, we've talked about it all off season. This is the time for the young guys to take the spot. Uh, all the people in management, the coaching staff have all said the right things. They've said we've left spots open. There's places for these guys to step in and, and make their place in the lineup. It's time for them to do it now. It'll be interesting to see what reporters are saying as they go throughout camp. So, as you can obviously see, we haven't uh, addressed the elephant in the room, but James is not here tonight. He is on his way to Florida, I believe. He's on a He's flight on right now. Back from Florida. Back from Florida. Back from Florida. Excuse me. Okay. On his way back from Florida. And uh, it, we were laughing a lot uh, via group chat the other night because, of course, the one time that he misses an episode in months and something really big happens, which, of course, we will be talking about here in a little bit. but. Uh, we, we've got lots of things to talk about here tonight, Chris. We've got uh, Robertson still not signed to a contract. We do have to mention it because that's obviously the, the biggest portion of the news when it comes to Stars Media. Um, you've also got the Lundquist trade, which I am I wrote an article for Blackout Dallas in, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, Chris, and uh, see what you think. 
Um, and then we're also going to take a look a little bit at uh, the biggest storylines going into training camp for the Dallas Stars. There's a lot of players going into training camp that have, you know, have some expectation to be on the Stars roster. And obviously not, especially when it comes to the forward group. And uh, with the addition of Lundqvist on the defensive side, that makes it even more interesting for Stars media and uh, Stars fans to talk about, you know, the possible D combos that we could see. And uh, then, of course, we're also going to talk about, uh, I mean, there's all sorts of PTOs we need to talk about. Lots of former Dallas Stars players who are uh, going on to professional tryouts. Um, We're going to talk Nathan McKinnon, uh, Chara, Subban, Yandel. And then we're also going to answer just, we're not going to go through all 10 of the questions that the NHL uh, article mentioned, but there was a really good article that I wanted to mention and go through about uh, the top questions heading into training camp, not just for the stars, but just generally across the NHL. And there's a lot of big uh, things that we can go into and talk about that as well. Um, Chris, where do you want to start tonight? You want to start with something easy? Let's start with something easy. All right. So let's just start with uh, the professional tryouts because I I don't think I've ever seen a year where we've seen more tryouts than this year. More big names in tryouts, definitely. I mean, that if well. you look at the people that are that are that are trying out, there's a lot of big. I mean, just stars fans, the players that you'll know. Uh, we've got Roussel is on a PTO, and the Ginger Ninja, the Ginger Ninjas on a PTO. Go to Eakin. So, I mean, those aren't terrible players, I don't think. But in this age of the salary cap, you're not really willing to give up that spot to a veteran player who doesn't have as much upside and you're more willing to take a risk on young guys. Right. So just to give you an idea of other players who are on professional tryouts right now, and, and there's a lot and some very notable players uh, through in this list. Um, Artem Anisimov with the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, Zach Aston Reese with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Nathan Bilyeu with the Ducks. Derek Broussard with the Senators. Alex Seishon, uh, former Dallas star. He's, he has a PTO with the Coyotes. Uh, Michael DeCold, Calvin DeHaan, uh, Danny DeKaiser. That kind of surprises me a little bit. Uh, former Dallas Stars defenseman Jason Demers is also on a PTO as well. Cody Eakin, you mentioned. Scott Harrington, a defenseman who had a decent season with the Blue Jackets last year. Um, Thomas Hickey, Sandy Milano, James Neal, another former Dallas Star. Tyler Pitlick, another former Dallas Star. Antoine Roussel, another former Dallas Star. Eric Stahl, Derek, I mean, the names go on and on and on. And of these guys, which of these do, are you really surprised that it's just on a professional tryout? And, you know, maybe why? Give me some players who you think you're surprised that they're on a professional tryout rather than like already having a contract. Well, I don't know, honestly, if I'd say that I'm super surprised. I mean, that's just the way the NHL has been trending. It's been getting younger, it's been getting faster. And, with the cap being so tight right now with it not expanding like it normally does, which GMs were expecting, they were kind of banking on that. So that's why there's been so much weird moves going on recently to try and move cap money around. There's just not a place for depth guys to take up a little bit more money than what your young guys might be able to do. Then they don't have any more upside. When you're a veteran and you're in that spot, you're not realistically, you don't have a chance to get a whole lot better, but there are young guys who are getting paid league minimum or less definitely do. So it just, it just makes sense for the way the market is right now. 
Well, and like you said, most of these guys are in their early to mid thirties. So, and, but, but still, even then, uh, with some of these professional tryouts, there are some guys that are still young. I mean, if I had to, if I had to pick one, I mean, Eric, Eric Stahl, obviously, I mean, he was like a, a, a big name player pretty much. So, uh, the Weird. the one I'm the one I'm most surprised about uh, was Sonny Milano. To be totally honest with you, Sonny Milano. He of of course he's uh, Trevor Zegers goal from last season that obviously went highlight reel, but he he had a an NHL career high of 34 points, 14 goals, 20 assists, and 66 games. And yes, it was with the Ducks, but. You know, still, that's that's not numbers to just, you know, not to put down or anything like that. Those are pretty decent numbers. That, that's a guy that should be in the NHL. And uh, and plus his age, he's only 26 years old. It's not like this guy is, you know, even in his 30s yet. He's still four years away from his 30s. So if there are any players that I was really surprised about uh, having to sign a PTO rather than an, a legit contract, it, it would be Sonny Milano. So I'm just... It's just weird. And, and and again, I'll mention it again because, because it, again, it's so weird. There's so many former Dallas Stars players yeah, on this that's, list. Yeah, that's It's anomaly. so weird. So, but uh, we'll see how uh, all of these guys play. We'll see which of these guys actually end up getting a contract with their team. A majority of these guys will not actually get a contract from the team they signed a PTO with. So, uh, we'll see how it goes. So, all right, um, some other NHL news going around, and it, it's been jam-packed. Uh, there's going to be some stuff that we're going to have to skip over just because of the nature of, you know, training camp starting. Oh, everyone's back. Oh, now there's, you know, news galore. But uh, we, we have to mention this one because this is he is now the highest-paid player in the NHL now. Uh, Nathan McKinnon of the Colorado Avalanche, he was on a team-friendly deal for the longest time. The guy was making, like, I think it was like his cap hit was like 6.3 or something like that. He is now making double that on the cap. He he signed an eight-year extension that will go into effect next season, and uh, it will be for $12.6 million per season. Um, and I, 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 was actually, I was actually listening to the Steve Dangle podcast about this, and I thought it was hilarious. But you know who is just below that uh, 12.6 mark? Who? Connor McDavid at 12.5. It's almost like he said, I want to get paid more than McDavid for at least one season before he has to like re up with the Oilers. So I just thought, I thought that was hilarious. And you know, he just trying to one up him just for a little bit. He's definitely deserved it. I mean, taking the pay cut allowed them to build a team that was the, the best for a while. And that was a cup contender for probably what, five years and then they finally got the job done too. So very much so deserved. Well, and, and I know they lost a lot of guys, uh, especially on the offensive side of the puck uh, this off season, but they've still got a good team. They're yeah, still a fantastic so team. Yeah. And I mean, you still got uh Mika Rantanen, you still got all your big guys. Uh, you still got obviously the best defenseman in the world right now. Kale McCarr, uh, Bowen Byram is nothing to gawk at either. Devon Taves is also something to not gawk at either. Um, the, but they're still a decent team and they could definitely repeat as uh back-to-back champions. So absolutely. I don't think it's as likely as Tampa, but they, I definitely agree with you. They still got a good chance. Yes. 
Now, here's the other thing, and there, this is just like a curse that, you know, Stars, not Stars fans, hockey fans talk about all the time. If you have a player that makes more than $10 million against the cap, the rule is, according to Voodoo, that they're not allowed to win the Stanley Cup. That's just a thing. That's just what people talk about on Twitter, on social media, and stuff like that. I just thought it was hilarious. Um, and especially considering that, like, you know, there are players that have made more than what their cap it is just because of how it works out, you know, actually like balancing it uh, over the course yeah, of their salary of their contract. Their yeah. Right. Like, like for example, uh, Tyler Sagan, his cap hit is like just under 10 million or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. But he actually made like 13, $13 million. That was like his actual salary this past season. Yeah. So, you know, just something crazy like that. But um, do you believe in all that or, or do you think that's just. I don't think so, because Connor McDavid's about to do it. So we'll see. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. So they're, they're definitely I would consider them in the the Stanley Cup contender list. They're definitely there. Uh, I just I think it really just depends on how Jack Campbell does with uh you know the expanded role he's probably gonna have he's gonna be playing yeah. a lot more games in well, edmonton with the play style they have too they just kind of got to get hot at the right time <laughs> if they get going there won't be any stopping them that's kind of what happened this year they got they got really hot and they looked unbeatable and then they cooled off so and i would also argue that the defense in toronto is definitely better than the defense in edmonton too that's just what i i personally believe Man, you think I, it's about the I, same? I couldn't. I couldn't argue too hard on that. <laughs> mm. All right. So, uh, moving on from that, uh, another big portion of news is three big name defensemen all retired in the same day. Uh, I think it, they all retired on Tuesday morning. Uh, Zdeno Chara signed a one day contract with the Boston Bruins to retire as a Boston Bruin. Um, PK Subban also retired as well. Which that was kind of surprising. That didn't really surprise me. We'll, we'll talk about that here in a second, though. And then uh, Keith Yandel also uh, retired as well. So uh, three big-name defensemen who have been around this game for, I mean, you know, for Chara especially, he's 45. He's been around for yeah. a very long time. And uh, the the funny thing is that Chara and Subban each, they were drafted 11 years apart but retired in, on the same day. Yep. Crazy. Absolutely. That's why I think it's shocking. I thought Subban, I mean, obviously his decline has been drastic in the past three years, but well, the, the dude's 45. He's, 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 he's over 45. I think so. Hold on. Uh, I'll figure it out. You keep talking. I don't think he's 45, but I just thought he still had some hockey left, but obviously. Char? No, I'm talking about Subban. Oh, Subban. I thought I thought you were talking about Chara. Chara is 45, but Subban yeah. I think is 34. Yeah, maybe that's he's not that old. Let me look. That's pretty old. <laughs> I, I mean, we 33. got an older defenseman playing for us. He's 33. Yeah, he's 33. Like most people play longer than that. I mean, especially kind of like. He's kind of retiring in disgrace in a way, too, because it, the whole New Jersey experiment was supposed to be so exciting and it failed terribly. And I feel like he's just like retiring just to get out of that situation. And maybe just no one would sign him either. So he doesn't want to try and do a, a 
a tryout, so he's just hanging it up. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't Interesting think so. Situation. I, I just think he has anywhere he was going to play, he wasn't going to make a lot of money, right? I mean, what maybe a million and a half, two at most. No, maybe I wouldn't give him that. I, I would give him that if if you're gonna make him play on your bottom pair. I, I think he, he would. You could you could give him that. Um, but the the thing is, is that he has so many other opportunities. I mean, he's he's such a personality in across the hockey world that I mean, he he can go to, into a broadcast booth right now and 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 be fantastic. He he's really good. He's really good at that. So he is. It's it's definitely not the last we'll see at PK Subban, but it it is definitely the end of his uh, playing career. So, but um, tell me some things about uh, Zidane Ochara that you remember over the course of your lifetime, because there's there's quite a few moments that I remember. Dude, it's gonna be weird. I mean, I haven't ever since I've been alive. He's been playing hockey, so so I mean, he's like the. Uh... When I was younger, I always thought of him as the big bad because at that time he was still fighting a lot too. So <laughs> he's just he's just the scary guy on the ice. And and really, when I was younger, he there's no one even close to his size. I mean, now we had Alexiak last year, which is he's starting to get there, but still, that's a big guy on skates. And he was always a great defenseman too. I mean, he was just solid, a great leader in Boston all the time. It, and seeing him in another jersey was just weird. I mean, whenever he thought of Chara, he thought of Boston. So, right. I'm glad that he got that one day yeah, contract the name... back. And the NHL will be much less fun without the giant on skates. I will always remember. I can't remember what year it was. It might have been 2007 when the Stars hosted the uh, All Star game. But uh, I got to go to the. Super Skills competition, which I I thought honestly that was way more fun than the actual All Star game itself, my own opinion because it was it was really cool to watch the Super Skills. But the dude let off a hammer. It was absolutely stupid, insane how hard he could shoot that puck. One of the hardest shots in NHL history. He's I think he still holds the record for the hottest shot on record at the Super Skills competition. I think it was like a. It was at least 108. It was like 108.7, 108.6, something like that. And it, you you couldn't pay me a million dollars to stand in front of that with every every portion of equipment that you could ever need to stop a puck. That was, <laughs> that was the golden age of the All-Star game. I remember it, it might have been a couple years after that, but in the actual all-star game, he just skated up into the, the high slot and then pretended to take a slap shot and everyone dove out of the way. It was hilarious. <laughs> so, yeah, that slap shot was, that, that was really the best that the all-star game and the all-star event as a whole ever got. Like that's as close as we got to our dunk contest was when the hardest shot was really going off between the biggest players. So that was cool. Right. And, uh, it, it it was just so much fun to watch him skate because it, it it was amazing to watch a guy that tall, that huge, be able to skate as fast as he could. And it, it's not like he was a slow guy; he was pretty fast. I mean, five strides and he's across the ice. So, I mean, right, that hard. too. <laughs> that too. Well, uh, PK Subban, we we talked about him a little bit. Uh, w- would you like to see him in the broadcast booth? You know, maybe on a national broadcast here in the near future. Yeah, I mean, I just personally don't like him because of all the run-ins he's had with. Jamie Ben, so <laughs> I'm still gonna hold that animosity all the time. But yes, he's very good at at commentary, and I think 
I think more than likely we'll see him in that role, if not this year, then next. Mm-hmm. And then uh, with Keith Yandel, he's he's the lesser known of the those three, but he, he's still a guy who, at portions in his career, he was one of the best defensemen in the league at his peak. Yeah. So uh, it, it was it, it was amazing to to watch him, and especially what he's known for is uh, the Ironman streak. So he currently holds the record for playing the most consecutive games, you know, in NHL history. Uh, it, it looks like Phil Kessel is going to break that pretty soon into this uh, upcoming season, but we'll see how that goes. But still, three guys who had great careers. Uh, Zdeno Chara definitely needs to be in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion. Uh, with Subban, he just didn't play long enough, I, I don't think. Um, and the same thing with Yandel. Yandel is just not quite the same level as as Chara. Uh, Chara will be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Mark my words. I can almost guarantee you that. What, what do you think? I totally agree. If not just for his play, then just for how unique of a player he was. Um, Ardell, yes. Uh, Chara is Czech. He is, uh, he is Czech. So. But um, the other thing about uh, Chara that it makes me a little sad about is that he wasn't able to win more Stanley cups because considering how good that Boston Bruins team was for so long, I'm surprised he's, he only was able to win one Stanley cup with, uh, with that Boston core. That's, you know, still sort of kind of around with Bergeron and Marshawn and all that, but, uh, he's got a cup. The, he he's got a cup. Yeah. He, he's got a, a cup. cup. He's got one in 23 years. <laughs> <laughs> we will get there eventually one day, Chris. One day. We will get there. All right. Uh, moving on. Um, now we're just going to take a look, uh, g- kind of getting into the training camp mode here, but mostly just looking at, you know, just general teams across the NHL. This is not a Dallas Star specific. We will get there here in just a moment. But uh, what I wanted to get into is some of the biggest questions heading into training camp with some of these teams. Chris, do you want to kind of pick a question in and we'll just go with it and just kind of talk about it for a second? Well, which which of those 10 questions is like most intriguing to you? I mean, probably the Maple Leafs one. I mean, and you could do a tandem. You could do Maple Leafs and the Knights because both of them is just who's the goalie <laughs> because we don't know. The Maple Leafs, I guess they think it's Matt Murray, and they're hoping that he is resurrected, but I don't know about all that. And they're supposed to be cup contenders? Don't think so. Do you think... Who do you think is going to emerge as the number one goalie? Do do you think it's going to be Matt Murray and he's going to be the guy, or do you think Sam Sonoff might take that mantle away from him? I honestly don't think either of them is going to take it. Like, I think it's a legit tandem. I think it's either a legit tandem or just they're just neither of them is good. And the other one is just worse. <laughs> so hey. I, I, I don't think that it's a good situation at all for them. So do you do you really think that? Uh, well, OK, well, let's let's put it to, to Vegas then. Um, who is in a worse spot, Toronto or Vegas? I think Toronto's in a worse spot because Vegas has really a goaltender okay, who looks good. I mean, Logan Thompson looked great. 
He looked really good at the end. Of the, he almost got he, them in the playoffs. He almost did single handedly. Yeah. So he did. He was outstanding. That's that's hope. I mean, that's hope right there. And Toronto went and grabbed a washed up goaltender and another goalie who was a fine backup. I mean, I don't know <laughs> that. I, there doesn't feel like there's hope in that. It feels like it, it's it's dumb. At least with at least with Thompson, you you know that he was good last year and he has that potential. Well, there's a there's actually a lot of teams that have some like questionable uh, tandems. I mean, like l- let me just throw out Colorado out there for a second. All right, Darcy Kemper was a capable number one goalie. He was not, you know. He was no Shosturkin or Vasilevsky or anything like that, but he did well enough to win the Stanley Cup for the, the Colorado Avalanche. Now he's gone. He's in Washington, and now they've got a tandem of Alexander Georgiev and Pavel Francouz. That actually puts a lot of doubt into my mind about both of those goalies as well for, for the well, defending Stanley Cup champions. They won in spite of their goalie. So, I mean, <laughs> that's it's, true too. It, it's rare for a team to do so well in the playoffs and not have one of the best goalies in the playoffs. And they had one of the worst goalies in the playoffs. So they don't really need it. <laughs> I actually think that Vegas is in a worse spot for me and my belief than Toronto is to answer my own question. But because I I just don't see one of those guys for Toronto has to stick. One of those guys. I I mean, (laughs) I I, I think I think it's going to be Matt Murray. I think he's finally going to bounce back. I think he's going to show that he can actually do it. He's still young. I think he's 27. I I don't remember off the top of my head, but um, you got to think that one of those guys has to stick. Okay, excuse me. He's 28. But. Um, he, he's, he's had a lot of success in the past. He had two bad years in Ottawa. It's, it, I don't think it's going to happen again. I don't. And then with Vegas, you got, you're relying on Logan Thompson to be your number one, which, you know, as good as he was, he shouldn't have to be relied upon as the number one goalie. And other than him, Matt Murray, well, you, well, you're you're right, which, which is why they got Samsonov. Samsonov has proven in the past that he can be a number one goalie as well. There is not any of those three guys in Vegas that have proven themselves as a number one goalie. Aiden Hill, Logan Thompson, or Lauren Brassois. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel like there's more hope in a Logan Thompson than there is in a Matt Murray. I mean, Matt Murray is just not good, in my opinion. Not good but. at all. Um, all right. So moving on from that, what I wanted to to kind of talk about is that very first question, because it sounded like that they were going to get some players back and obviously that's not going to happen. And talking about the Philadelphia Flyers and the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, their GM seems to believe that they can still make the playoffs with the current roster they have. I don't know how in the heck he thinks that they're going to be able to do that, but, uh, Sean Couturier, who is quietly one of the best, you know, two-way forwards in the game, uh, he gets some Selkie Trophy uh, nominations quite frequently over the course of his career. Uh, he's doesn't look like he's going to be 
starting the season for the Philadelphia Flyers, and it looked like that he was originally going to. So that's really bad news uh, for the Philadelphia Flyers. And they're also looking at the fact that uh, Ryan Ellis, who has, they got him over a year and a half ago, and he's literally played four games for the Philadelphia Flyers just because he's been injured that whole time. And it looks like he's going to start the season on long-term injured reserve as well. Yeah, I don't even know why this is in the questions on this article because the Flyers are just going to be bad. I mean, they're going to be dumpster. Like bottom of the barrel, <laughs> even if even if all their players are healthy, they're probably still not making the playoffs. I wouldn't bet on it. So mm. with this many guys out still, no, they're they're bad. It's that's a bad franchise. I mean, they have been bad for a while, have not torn down, tried to rebuild nothing. That's not a good franchise right there. Here's another interesting question that I wanted to talk about, and this might be the last one we talk about in this article, but I really want to see how Johnny Goudreau does in Columbus with Patrick Laine because, you know, it, that, that seems to be a really good match with a guy who's known to be able to score in Johnny Goudreau, but he also is more well-known for his ability to pass and set up other people. And obviously Patrick Laine is known for his ability to put the pack puck in the back of the net so i mean i mean how are they going to be able to play on the same line how is columbus going to go into this is columbus going to even be a playoff team what how do you view yeah, it, those two guys do you think they'll play on the same line together uh i think if if columbus is going to be substantially better so like solidly in the playoffs getting like a second or third spot in their division then they need to be playing on the same line and line nine needs to be having the goal scoring season of his life pretty much. Well, is just, is just beating him pretty much is what I'm, is what I'm envisioning. So that, that's a big question mark there, but like that's, it's a lot of potential too. So, cause if they do work good together, that could be one of the best lines in hockey. Now, one of the things they don't have is they don't seem to have like a number one center in Columbus. And they, they've got a couple of guys that could, but they don't have a, a bona fide, this is our this is our rope hints. They don't have, this is our rope hints or whatever. They, they've got uh, Boone Jenner, who is their captain. They've got Kent Johnson, who's a young guy. They've got Cole Sillinger, who is a young guy. And, but, you know, they've also got Jack Roslovic, who played with Patrick Laine in Winnipeg, and they both came over in that deal for Dubois. But, uh, it, they just don't seem to have a center that could play with both of those guys. So th that's going to be really interesting to see who lines up between those two guys. And whoever does is going to get a bunch of points, it seems like, with uh, Goudreau and Line on their on their wings. So that'll be really interesting to see how they do because I think everything, if, if you're betting on Columbus to make the playoffs, that line has to be the best line in hockey, whoever the center is. I mean, whoever the center is, whether it's Jenner, Ken Johnson, whoever. So I think they can make the playoffs without it being the best line in hockey. But if they want to be a, a good team, then yes, I agree with you. And then um, th this is not really a question, but it, it's kind of like a kind of a, a tangent off of a question. The, the, the tangent is who is going to take Marshawn's place on the Bruins' top line? And uh, this goes Everybody. into our, our belief that uh, – the Bruins are going to fall out of the playoffs this year. And 
most of it, I believe, is just because of the sheer number of injuries that they're going to start the season with. They won't have a lot of their top guys. Marshawn is not going to start. Uh, Charlie McAvoy is not going to be starting at all either. And they just got a lot of key injuries to really key guys. So do you see the Bruins? I, I don't think they're going to start off hot. But do you think they'll be mediocre enough to where they will at least keep themselves in position to possibly make the playoffs and make it and get hot later on and maybe get all their players back later? No, I, don't, I think I think they're not going to have a good year. <laughs> I mean, they're not going to be as bad as the Flyers, <laughs> but they're yes. still not going to make the playoffs. I mean, I mean, that's at least what we can say as Stars fans or any team could say is like, at least we're not the Flyers. <laughs> no offense to Flyers fans. I feel so bad for them. I really do. (laughs) Okay. So uh, if you want to go and check out that article on NHL.com, I highly suggest you do. There's a lot of good uh, things to read on that article, uh, including some things about uh, the 2022 draft class, who's going to end up uh, on the, uh, on the starting lineup for their teams from the 2022 draft class, Logan Cooley, Simon Nemec, uh, Cutter Gautier. It, it looks like uh, Yuri Slavkovsky is going to be in the starting lineup for the Canadians when the season starts, but we will see. We will definitely see. <laughs> hey guys, this is Ryan here. The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough for you, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. With payouts bigger than ever, why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Hey guys, Ryan once again. Lately I've been listening to a lot of Owl City. They have a new album coming out very soon and it's been great because I've been listening to their stuff again. I'm getting really excited for their new album. But one reason it's been great to listen to is because I use my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable and they will not budge. Trust me on that. Raycons give you 8 hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. Raycons are priced just right. You get the quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder that Raycon's everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. But what I love about these Raycon earbuds even more is the additional features that it comes with, including three customizable sound profiles, earbud tap functions, noise isolation, and awareness mode. I love the noise isolation because when I want to listen to my music, I don't want to hear anything else. So I'm glad that that is an 
an additional feature in this earbud, but I also really like listening to some of the customizable sound profiles. So for example, one of the profiles I use is I use the bass sound because it really is great for songs with a strong beat, and Owl City has a lot of songs that have a strong beat. Go to buyraycon.com today and use code THPN15 to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's code THPN15 at buyraycon.com to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com, code THPN15. Okay, now it's time to get into some star stuff here. And uh, about 30 minutes into the podcast, that's about about the right time to start doing this. Um, people are freaking out, Chris. Um, <laughs> I saw uh, Saad tweeted out on Twitter earlier uh, that Star's Twitter is definitely back. And, it, and some people were even saying that it Star's Twitter is in mid-season form. <laughs> yes, we are. Uh, it's great. T- tell us why we should be freaking out or why we should not be freaking out, Chris. Okay, so it's... Star's Twitter is all in the Robertson situation. It is hilarious. Every time there's a post about anything from the stars, the comments are filled with Jason Robertson. And like, they're not even asking like, when are we signing? It's just like pictures of Jason Robertson or the, the little cartoon robot. And it's amazing. It's, it's lovely. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I think it'll be fine. I mean, I don't really remember. You a think it'll like be this. fine? You're scaring yeah. me, Chris. I mean, I no am a little concerned. He's not going to be playing. He's not going to be starting training camp with us. That's obviously a right. reason for concern. Um, I don't remember an RFA signing ever taking this long with the Dallas player. So that's not really cool. And then we just take up another million dollars of cap space with the trade that we just did. And that's kind of confusing too. So not sure exactly what's going on, but. Everyone seems confident that's going to happen, yet nothing is happening. So <laughs> it's weird. Um, a lot of people forget, but with Jamie Benz, not the current contract he has, the $9 million contract, but the contract before, he actually did not sign that contract until four games had already passed in that season. Oh, so wow. he missed he missed all the training camp, and he missed the first four games of that season. I can't tell you which I season it was. That. It was a long time ago. But uh, that's, I mean, that's another big name player, right? At the time, Jamie Benn was one of the biggest names in the NHL at that point. So, um, but this is very different. I would consider Jason Robertson, especially now, is a bigger superstar than Jamie Benn uh, was back then. And he he definitely has the potential to be a superstar for longer than Jamie Benn was. So I'm not all that worried about it or all that concerned about it. I, I do... I do not think it's going to take, you know, four or five games into the season for him to get signed. And and I think we should. He will be in a Dallas sweater for the first game of the season, and I feel very confident in saying that. I was about to say we should go ahead and set up the goalposts exactly where you said. If he's not signed by the time the season starts, that's a failure from Jim Nill, even if he gets a great deal. Like, with us starting a whole new system with a brand-new coach, a whole bunch of young guys on the team. The last thing we need is our top scorer to not be on the ice for the first week or two. That is terrible. So I slightly disagree with you because when you, when you look at the the far future, especially like if, if he goes out and signs an eight year deal and he, he, you get some for like a pretty big discount considering what a lot of 
people are, are, you know, what we're hearing about the contract that Robertson can get, you know, him waiting for two weeks. And if it means he misses these two weeks and in two or three years, the stars are winning the Stanley cup. I'm more than happy to, to take that because obviously he takes takes, guaranteed, but that's not guaranteed at all. You're right. But you might do is you might lose a week's worth of games because you don't have your, your best line. I mean, but I don't, I don't think that a, a week or two of the season is going to extremely negatively impact the, the stars team. Now, if it gets to the point to where we're like a month into the season, we're like in mid-November or something like that, then we can start freaking out and and being like, okay, this is this is ridiculous. Okay, maybe not freak out, but it's still a failure by Jim Nil. I mean, to have an entire summer to figure out and how to get him signed and to just let him wait and figure it out at when it's the season's already started. I mean. Let's do things a little bit earlier. If the first game of the season isn't the deadline, then what is? I mean, if you're already missing games, then let's just miss all of them. Let's just go all the way to December. Right, and what Chris is talking about, for those of you that don't know, is I, we don't, I don't know the exact date. I believe it's December 1st, but if an RFA does not sign by a specific date in December, and let's just say it's December 1st. If they don't sign by December 1st, they cannot play for the rest of the season, regardless of if they sign a contract after December or not, you, they have to wait till next season to participate with the team. So that that's really like the hard deadline. Like, like that is the deadline. That's it. Um, and, and like we've talked about on this podcast before, I've only ever seen it happen once in recent memory. And that was with uh, William Nylander of the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to take all so the way either. to December to do I'm it. I'm just saying, if he's not signed before the season starts, bad on nil. And again, I'll slightly disagree with you on it, just because... Um, well, you're wrong. It, it, it depends on how much Robertson you stated wants. your point. I don't care. He, he scored a billion <laughs> goals. He scored a billion goals. He scored... He had, I think he had more points than Jamie Bid did when he won the Art Ross. Is that correct? Jamie Bid had when he won the Art Ross, he had eighty-two points, I believe. So that's oh, awfully not, close. That's awfully close, close to what Robertson had. And Jamie Ben got nine and a half million dollars. So, whatever. All right, move on. I'm not tired of talking about that crap. We got a cool <laughs> new player. We actually traded for somebody, and we traded picks. Nils' favorite it, it, thing in the entire world. Well, and, we and got, not just picks, Christian. A first no, round I'm, pick. I'm getting to what kind of picks they are in a second. Hold on. We got Sorry, Nils I'll, I'll let you do the hosting. We got... Shut up. We, yeah, he's <laughs> rookie defenseman from New York um, who requested a, tr- a trade. I don't, I'm not sure why I didn't look into that, but he's the right defenseman. We need right defensemen. We got a right defenseman. We'll see. Uh, we traded a first round pick next year. That is conditional on it. Not being top 10, which if it is top 10, yikes. Um, yeah. And a conditional fourth. So it becomes third. If he scores, what is it? 40 points or something? 55 points over the course of the next two seasons. Yeah, which is a weird condition, but whatever. Um, but a first overall pick 
for a guy who's played what 25 NHL games. Yikes. I mean, he is a he's a young prospect guy. He's on a good contract. I mean, less than a million dollars. Can't get better than that. But that's tough. He had tw- so 25 games, one goal, three assists. I don't know about that one, man. That's expensive. Well, obviously, Jim Nill sees something, or maybe the coaching staff in Dallas uh, sees something in Nils Lundqvist that uh, the Rangers don't see, I guess. Because a, a lot of people were surprised to see the cost that it that, that it took for Dallas to get Nils Lundqvist to become a Dallas star. Um, and not just a first-round pick, but the, the fact that it, it was like a first-round pick and a fourth-round pick. So I, I'm just I'm just shocked to 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 see that even happening. But um, th- before I get into the nuts and bolts of this trade and why I personally like this trade, honestly I do. And I, I, you seem to be on the other side. Can you tell me why you're you're just worried about this specifically? I like the guy. I like getting him. It's a good pickup, I think, especially after losing Klingberg, and we're super weak on the right defensive side even all the way down to our prospects. So I like the guy. The guy is good. A first-round pick is too much for a guy that's only played 25 games and has four points in the NHL. I mean, that that could have been his best season, and he's back down to the AHL, and we just threw away a first-round pick. So I, I guess, especially for Nil, if he's trading away first-round picks for defenseman that costs less than a million dollars, it must really be go time because yikes. Yeah. And Neil said this himself that he thinks this guy has a really high ceiling. And I mean, it's not like this guy is 28 years old or 29 years old. He's or he's also not 37. This guy is 22 years old. So, and he was also in Ardell. He, he, he was reading my mind when it, um, but Ardell was saying uh, he was stuck behind Adam Fox and multiple other players in New York. He was never going to play, uh, play power play there. Um, Keandre Miller is also there in New York, another really good defenseman. So, I mean, he wasn't going to play a lot of minutes in New York. Yeah, and, so, and those guys have watched him a lot more than I would have. I'm just looking just straight numbers, and 25 games and four points for in a first-round pick is crazy to me. But obviously, I mean, people were saying second-round pick and, and maybe a third. So obviously his upside was was there and he looked good on the eye test, but yikes. It just it feels like a lot. All all social media, by the way, says it's a lot too. So we'll see. Hopefully Nil is smart. I do like him going after a young defenseman though, rather than an old defenseman, which every single year that he's been the GM here, he has always signed a veteran defenseman right before the year started for about a million or a million and a half. So <laughs> this is refreshing, but expensive. Yeah, so here here's the first thing that came into my mind when I started like seeing basically seeing Stars Twitter meltdown with this trade and how did we give up two picks for this guy? And yada yada. Yeah, meltdown is crazy. But, Stars Twitter, but, come on. The, say but that. here's here's the thing though is that we've been complaining and myself included. I wrote this in my article. I was I've been complaining about Jim Nell not taking risks and going out there and you know taking risk with players. I mean, last year, who did he sign? He signed Ryan Suter, 
The safest. Who, who is, you know, you knew exactly what you were going to get. Yep. You know, second men who can eat up a bunch of minutes, right? But what he, and so, he, so he didn't take a risk with Ryan Suter. He knew exactly what he was getting. But this is the second time this offseason, in my opinion, that Jim Nill had kind of tiptoed over the line, got his his feet wet in the hot water to test it out, to take risks. And that's what we've been complaining about for years. We haven't seen Jim yep. Nill do that for years since he made those big trades for Jason Spezza and, and Patrick Sharp and Tyler Sagan and all of these guys. This is the first time we've seen – now, this is not as high caliber as a player as those guys were. Yeah. But still, they, they, and, they, these are big risks to take with him, and, with Lundquist, and then also Mason Marchment. And, and as, as much as I – Let's yeah. add on to that too. I mean, he, he could have signed three veteran defensemen and made another checking line if he wanted to. And he decided he wasn't going to do that. He was going to leave spots open, and guys were going to fight for those spots just like we wanted him to. And that's what he said in his interview that he did a couple of weeks ago too. So I will definitely give him props that he is being much more aggressive now. And I think he's really kind of buying into the way that the NHL is working right now with young players being kind of at the helm and needing those young players to be good because you're paying your top guys so much. Um, you got to find all that deals. said, all that said it's expensive. Let's hope it pays off. And if if it is expensive and he does pay off, this is going to look like, I mean, this is going to be amazing for the stars because if this guy can pan out to the high ceiling that a lot of people say that he has, he has a very high ceiling, then this could be a guy that could be, you know, Mira Haskinen's partner for the next fifteen years. I, I mean, I, of course, I'm th- I'm going way, you know, yeah, that's Homer the, here, but that's the but movie, like, but. Right, exactly. But like for I mean for 5 years or a decade, I don't think that's out of the out of the bucket. It's possible to see it. Now, the the other thing that I really liked about this deal, is, and there were multiple reasons I gave in my article, but another reason being is that there was a glaring hole in the decor. A complete glaring hole. We have had two puck moving defensemen for a very long time with uh John Klingberg and Miro Haskin and being there for three years now. And that's been two guys that we relied upon a lot. And they played a bunch. Like, both of those guys were out there. One, one of them or both of them were out there for 90% of the time, just about. And what this guy get, gives us is he's a very creative player. He's a guy that is a puck-moving defenseman. And the biggest thing about him, he's a right-handed shot. We've been complaining about it for the entire offseason. Hey, put Mira Haskin in on his strong have. side. Huh? You and James have. I, me and James have. Yes, that's true. Okay. Me more than I guess James, but still, I've been complaining about it a lot. It's like, put Mira Haskin in on his strong side and let's see what he can do and unlock his actual potential because we haven't seen it yet. He's been, he's been excellent, but we still haven't seen, you know, what he can do. So could we see Lundquist play on the top pairing with uh, Mira Haskin in? I think so. And I would I would call this like a bargain bin replacement for Klingberg. He's not going to come in and do the stuff that Klingberg did, but I think he, he is potential. a he has that potential to be that as good as Klingberg is, and he has that he's that same sort of kind of player, and he, I think he will fit very well in Pete DeBoer's system as well. I'll jump off my soapbox with this because I I love this trade. Yeah, I know between- we overspent, but still. 
between him and uh, and Hanley, hopefully one of them breaks out. So we'll see. Hopefully Harley? Both. Harley, yes. Thank you. Hanley's always going to be a super solid number seven defenseman. I hope he stays. I hope he stays around for forever. But we'll see. Okay, so uh, that's on uh, the enough on the trade. Okay, um, let's take a look at uh, top storylines coming into training camp here. All right, it's pretty obvious the players that are going to be on the roster. Okay, but. Looking at looking at the roster, looking at the training camp roster, uh, Chris, if you have it in front of you, um, <laughs> he obviously doesn't. I see he moves around, but is there anybody that kind of really intrigues you when you look at the training camp roster for the stars? Is there anybody that kind of stands out and says, "I think this guy is going to have a really good camp," and I think he has an outside outside shot of making the team? Outside shot. Mm-hmm. Outside shot. Um, you can go Antonio Strangez. I mean, he's made some highlight reels recently as being a good puck handler. DeBoer is known as being a guy who likes people who hold on to the puck a lot, he likes to play with puck possession. That's an outsized chance, I'd say, with Antonio Strangez. And, uh, there's a lot of guys coming into into camp, like a lot of guys. There are 34 forwards, 21 defensemen, and six goaltenders. So quite a bit, quite a quite a bit. Um, the one that actually kind of stands out to me the most, and I'm really interested to see how he fits in, is Riley Tufty. He's the one that kind of stands out to me, and and for a specific reason. He had a he had a decent season, but he's not going to be the top six forward that we thought he was going to be when he was drafted. That being said, he is a guy that I think if he's put in the bottom six with as big as he is, I, I think he would be really scary to play against. And I think he has, if you're looking for a guy that can really play well and bang bodies and stuff like that, I mean, look at a guy, look no further than a guy who is 6'6 and 220 pounds. I think he has I mean, an outside shot of making the team if he can play that kind of a role. Difference, in my opinion, is that guy's been given quite a few chances to do something and has not really grabbed any of them. So we'll see. I'd love for it because I I want to have a bigger guy on the ice for us, but he he hasn't shown it to me yet. Okay, uh, another big question coming in to this is what would Pete DeBoer do? Like, what, what, what would a Pete DeBoer team kind of look like uh, for, you know, just for Stars fans to kind of take a look at? And what we've heard a lot of is we're getting rid of the designations, you know, first line scoring, second line scoring, third line checking, fourth line energy line, or whatever. All those are out the window. There is no, these are scoring lines. This is a checking line. This is, there. He's going into the mindset with, I'm going to put together the four best lines that I think are going to give us a chance to win, right? And I'm really excited to see how that does. Now, that being said, I do believe that there will, there will still be two lines that will be relied upon heavily for the scoring. 
We obviously know what the first line is going to look like once Robertson is eventually signed. I don't think he's going to break up that line. There's no reason for him to. But what, and we'll, we'll talk about it again, what does a second line look like for the Dallas Stars? Secondary scoring line, well, who, who's on that line? There's no such thing as a secondary scoring line, Ryan. They're just lines. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping we've talked about Tyler Sagan a lot in the offseason. We're looking for him to make a big bounce back. He's going to be the center of that line, in my opinion. Um, I cannot think. Who, who's your second line, Ryan? <laughs> who's my second line? Yeah. I, I'm going to go out on a on our line out here. Uh, Sagan's going to have two new line mates this season. I, I, I personally believe it. So who am I going to go with? This is kind of hard. So I think Peterson is going to be given the opportunity. I think it's going to be Sagan, Peterson, and I'm going to go ahead and say Wyatt Johnston as well. I think Wyatt Johnston's going to wow. make the team out of, out of camp. I do. You're not you're not putting Marchman in there? I'm not putting Marchman in there because I think Marchman would be a better fit with uh, Jamie Benn and the two of them playing together because they play very similar styles. And I know I know you've said in the past that like, you know, having two power forwards on the same line is is not a good idea. But I really think that the two of them together will work very, very well. And I think that will that will raise Jamie Ben's uh, energy up a little bit. And I think it will also help him get his offensive numbers up a little bit as well, playing with uh, Mason Marchman. So that's the only reason why I wouldn't put Mason Marchman on that second line. I also think Wyatt Johnson's ready. I do. I think you're wrong. Um, I don't think Marchman's going to play with Ben. <laughs> of I course think it's going to be. I think it's going to be Sagan and Marchman, and then. The other spot is going to be whoever takes it in training camp. So the favorite right now is Johnston. I don't care. Whoever it is, whoever comes and takes it. Uh, Nil talked about in the recent interview that he did, um, saying that if one of those guys takes a spot, he has to be in the lineup every night. He can't be healthy scratched every other game. It's got to be all or nothing. So he's fully in the NHL, and he's playing night in and night out or he's going back to the juniors to develop more, which I, I totally agree with. I think one of them is going to make it, though. So I think one of them has to if we're going to be a really good offensive team like we're hoping to be. So one of them takes it. With it and I'll include Peterson in that, too, even Kivy Ranta. So, so it's going to be a fight for that spot, in my opinion, whoever is doing best. I personally think that Johnson is going to be the one that that makes the team. I, I don't think they're going to, the big three prospects. I think he's going to be the only one that makes it, and I, I think it's just because of the situations with him and the other two as well. Like Maverick Bork can go and play in the AHL, and it, it's nothing against Maverick Bork, but he he was hurt for a majority of the OHL season last year, so I think he needs just a little bit more time and. You know, putting him with in, in a position where he can be a top line player in the AHL, I think will help him in the long run. With, this is uh, another with, this is another situation that I want Nil to change in. We talked about how he was doing good changing recently. We, we got to stop saying, "Oh, he needs one more year. He needs one more year. He needs one more year." I mean, that happened with Otter two years in a row, and he forced himself onto the team both years. So I, we can't do any of that. Jack Campbell is 
last year he had for a time he was one of the better goalies in the nhl and he never saw the ice for the dallas stars we just heard about it for five years oh we got this great goalie coming up we're just waiting for him and he never played so we can't we can't be doing stuff like that we can't be talking about how great our prospects are and then never give them a shot it's time to give them a shot so someone's got to be playing hopefully to someone's and yeah it's it's got to happen I don't think it's going to be two someone's. I think it's just going to be one. And I, I think the one will be Wyatt Johnston. But if if I had to pick one of the other two to also make the roster, I would rather have Stan Govan on it. Other yeah, than... I'll, I'll give a hot take. I think Kivy's not making it, and I think Stanky is going to take his spot. Okay. All right, that's fair. Well, and see, that's the other thing with this, uh, all, especially the forwards. The forward lines, it, I mean – I mean, God, God is the only one that knows what these forward lines are going to look like. I mean, no clue. <laughs> I mean, we know crazy. one line, and that's about it, probably. Yeah, it, it is absolutely crazy to look at all of these players and think that, like, a, a, still a good chunk of them are not going to make it. I mean, you only have enough spots for twelve forwards, and there are thirty-four in in the lineup. And you know, of the ones that are here, a majority of them have a you have a good shot of being in the lineup. Like they, they could be in the starting lineup. Um, I mean, some of them like uh, blue Mel who had a really good uh, traverse city tournament, by the way, shout out to blue Mel. He had a really good uh, tournament, but like, I just don't see him. Uh, Riley Barber, Oscar Basque, uh, Francesco, Archuri, uh, Kawaguchi, like, like those guys, I don't see making the roster. Uh, same thing with Curtis McKenzie, but, like I mean, a lot of these guys could make the could make the team. I mean, Studenich, Stankoven, uh, Olafson, Olafson, actually a little bit. Uh, who was the guy that came in? Uh, Karlstrom, Frederick Karlstrom, uh, came in for a couple of games this past season. So he's he's a guy who could you know maybe surprise us and come in. Um, and then we keep forgetting about some of these other guys. I mean, what about Delandria? Delandria could definitely be an an everyday NHL player. Watch that. Uh, uh, Damiani, uh, Rhett Gardner. I mean, guys that we've seen play for the Stars before, they can play uh, in the NHL lineup. So, I mean, there's a lot of guys here, a lot when it comes to the forward grouping. Okay, uh, moving on to uh, the next, to the defenseman, um, that's a little bit more interesting than now than it would have been, you know, a couple of days ago. Uh, with the entrance of Lundquist, it, it again, it's just like the forward lines now. It, it looked like that the D pairings were pretty set of who the top six was and, you know, who was going to play where and, you know, Hawk and Paul was going to play in the top four or whatever like that. But now it's, it's kind of all wide open, right? W- wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're exactly right. It's going to be the exact same as the forward lines, except we don't even know who the top line is going to be for the defensemen. I think more than likely it's going to be Miro and Essa just because they're the best two guys and having them play the most minutes just makes sense. But after that, no idea. Does, does Suter stay in the top four? Is Hockenpah forcing Suter out? I mean, we have Harley trying to get a spot, Lundquist trying to get a spot. We have uh, that Miller guy, right? Mm-hmm. What's Colin his? Miller. Yeah, Colin Miller's. We expected him to be an everyday starter, and he's looking like number seven right now, honestly. Right. So, yeah, craziness. 
and and maybe we're only saying that because when we look at the price that we gave up for Lundquist, you don't spend two draft picks like that and then put a guy like that in the AHL. Mm-hmm. You don't. You, you don't make him number seven. You, you don't make him number seven, and that's why he wanted out of New York in the first place because he was basically the number seven defenseman. He only played 25 games in the NHL last season. So, you know, best case scenario with him being a right-handed defenseman, it would be awesome to see Lundqvist play with Miro. And I think he's going to get a look with Miro on on the top pairing, and I think he – I really think he will. And I hope it sticks because if that can stick like that, then you've got a, a second pairing of Essa Lindell and Yanni Hockenpah. Dude, that's a lot of man. <laughs> uh, Two really big guys. That I don't would be want an Miro, awesome shutdown pairing. I don't want Miro worried about if his defensive partner can make a play, though. That's why I kind of want him with Lindell. Like, I'd rather right. and, and, be and with someone who's locked down and can take care of that so Miro can go, just go up the ice and score goals. So and like and like I said, ba- best case scenario, that's what Lundquist can do is that he can handle those kind of minutes. But uh, I, I think he's going to be given a shot in training camp. I think they're going to put the two guys together because I mean, uh, Haskinen's from Finland, and I believe uh, Lundquist is for, is Swedish. Yeah. So so it's it's not like they're those two countries are you know right smack. Oh yeah, next basically the same country. So I mean, it, it, I think both of those guys could work really well together. I really do. Ryan um, doesn't know how Europe works. Shut up, Chris. But I mean, and, and then with if you do a pairing like that, where you have Miro and uh, Nils, and then you've got Yanni Hockenpah and and Essa, I mean, that leaves you with a pretty decent bottom pairing. Whether you put. Uh, Ryan Suter down there with Colin Miller or, you know, maybe Joel Hanley jumps in there instead of one of those two guys. Or, I, I mean, it, it's a lot more interesting now than when, oh, and I'm, I'm also forgetting about Harley. You know, it, it, is Harley going to push himself into this, into this question? This is so, his last year to do that, honestly. Another hot take. If Harley doesn't do it this year, ship him. I know you. I, I know you keep saying that, but I still disagree with you. Just because, I mean, and I got two words for you: Denis Giryanov. Denis Giryanov is twenty-five, and he's had one good season. He's tw- uh, where he scored twenty goals, and he's still around. So I, I think they're gonna barely. they're gonna give him <laughs> hmm? barely on a minimum contract, right? But he's still twenty-five, and Thomas Harley is like what twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two. So we could have a really young decor now that I think about it. That's weird to think about that. We have we could have three guys under the age of 20, 22 make the ro- opening night roster. That is super odd. That would be great. That would be awesome, dude. Um, and then uh, moving on to the goalie goaltenders. Uh, this is the part where it, it's really obvious who's going to make the opening night roster. Uh, Ottinger will be the starter. Wedgwood will be the backup. But uh, there's a lot of hype uh, behind this guy named Matt Murray, and not, not the Matt Murray of Toronto, but the the Matt Murray that comes from St. Albert's, Alberta. Um, he had a really good end to the there you go, yeah, uh, AHL season when he came over from UMass. Um, at UMass, he actually played 36 games. 21 of those were wins. He had a 9.17 save percentage and a 2.31 goals against average. That's pretty good. And then he came in to a uh, amateur amateur tryout, is what they called it, 
when he when his season in the NCAA was done, he came and played professionally for the AHL. And he went five and one in the last six games of the season, a nine forty seven save percentage and a one sixty eight goals against average. That's pretty good. Um, I don't expect I don't expect those kind of numbers uh, to continue for Matt Murray, but that still gets you excited that you know maybe he can do something. Maybe goal goalie. We haven't even talked about maybe Hudobin's our third. I mean, in today's NHL, you're going to use the third goalie at some point, pretty much. And you know, I want to talk about this too, real quick, with uh, Hudobin. Hudobin looks like he, he looks like he's ready, like he's healthy. All right. Now, when because of the way it happened and because of the way he got hurt, we should have been able to put him on LTIR and then his whole cap hit would have not counted against us on on our cap last year. But because he was in the AHL and he got hurt, we couldn't put him on LTIR because he wasn't on the active NHL roster. He was in the AHL. So I, 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 don't, I haven't really thought about this all the way through, but... You know, if if he is put fully down in the AHL, if, if is that going to affect the Stars' ability to get more cap space so that they can re-sign uh, Jason Robertson finally? Maybe get a little bit more cap relief, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think that frees up like a one and a half is what people were saying. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to do that till the season starts. Yeah, that's true. All right. Uh, what is there anything else you want to talk about when it comes to uh, training camp and what you're excited for? I don't think so. I want to see someone jump off the page and force themselves onto the roster. That's what I want. I want one of those three to do it. And uh, we're gonna see a lot of you know overhypedness when it comes to the uh, preseason, right? So we'll we'll see guys who you know, who are going to score a lot of points and stuff like that. And everyone's going to be like, he needs to be on the opening night roster. And then, you know, he gets sent back to his junior team or whatever. So those sort of things will happen. Um, GMs and coaches are not just looking at points and goals and stuff like that. They're looking at the complete picture. Can this guy play defense? Can this guy help us on special teams? Which, which of these guys is best suited to help this team win? So it's not all about points and and goals and stuff like that. There's lots of other things that go into it as well. But um, regardless, I'm also we, we've talked about DeBoer a lot in, in the offseason, so I'm not going to get into it too much. But I'm also really curious to see uh, how he runs uh, training camp and how he how he does uh, starting tomorrow. So I'm I'm, I'm just really excited that it, it's finally it, it it feels like hockey season again. And, uh, you know, I'm just ready to get going. So anything else, Chris? Almost October. Anything else? Almost October. Yep. All right. Do do we want to do a Who Cares segment? uh, I got nothing. Do you got anything? (laughs) I don't have anything for tonight, actually. We're at 108. We'll, We'll save it. We'll do an extra good Who Cares segment next week. Yep, and we'll get James back here, and uh, it'll it'll be more interesting when when James gets back here too. But I'm literally running off of like eight hours of sleep in the last two days because band directing job has gotten crazy. It's homecoming week this week. We've got the parade. Uh, we we have like these giant ten by ten banners that we're putting out on the field. It's stupid. They're huge, enormous. Pretty so 
that's causing me some uh, anxiety and some stress, but they're cool. So that's why we're doing it. But uh, nonetheless, um, anything else you want to mention, Chris? Uh, we, we redeemed ourselves. We beat Miami and we're going to re-redeem ourselves again and beat Arkansas. You know, Vegas favored us against Miami, even though Miami was ranked higher than us. And they favor us against Arkansas, even though Arkansas is ranked higher than us. Weird. Almost like rankings are bullcrap. Okay, I'm done. Rankings are bullcrap, Chris. Don't you know that? Did I just blow your mind? Yep, I'm shocked. (laughs) Okay, guys, that's going to do it for us here tonight. We appreciate you guys uh, spending your late evening with us, talking hockey, uh, talking just general NHL stuff. Uh, you know, all the uh, stars content. And uh, we really appreciate our sponsors, DraftKings, and also Raycon. So absolutely love those guys. Zachary, shut up. <laughs> That's our yeah, brother, Zachary. Yeah, the stars do suck back, by the way. And yes, it is conditional. It's top 10 protect- protected. I mentioned that. <laughs> we love you, Zach. All right. Eh. Well, all right. Along with Chris... My name's Ryan. We'll catch you guys on the flip side. And we hope you guys have a good, fantastic evening, morning, afternoon, whenever you're listening to this. And we will have a lot more energy and we will be a lot more awake. See you guys later.